Welcome to the Tuesday Mashup. Uh, we're doing this a little different. Uh, I'm, I'm sure there's a few people woke up this morning going, um, gentlemen, where is my Tuesday Mashup? Well, Tues is in studio. He's he's on a uh, uh, he's gallivanting across the West. So we, we found a way to do it Tuesday morning. So it's cool to see you in studio, sir. It's great to be back. Yeah, it's quarter to six right now, so this is going to be uploaded like as soon as we're done. That's right. And um, I thought uh, I was saying it too is what we should do because we both of us get texts from uh, back and forth uh, uh, from listeners, and uh, you know, I, of course, I can't find the one that just pops out of my head and Tuz is laughing at me. He's like, "You, you want to do this? You want to do this?" And then, of course, I get here and I got I got one. Hey, I got one. But what I want to do at the start of them is if you like what we're doing. In the show notes, uh, there's a number uh, on the Sean Newman podcast, mm-hmm. that is. Um, if you want to text me and, and love or hate the show, it's cool. We'll read it off at the start because uh, I think it's cool to interact with, with the listeners. And, and a lot of you seem to think what we're doing here is either the dumbest thing you've ever heard or the greatest thing or maybe somewhere in between. So I want to hear the ones from people who say it's dumb. That'll be fun. <laughs> I'll let twos read those off, eh? <laughs> um well, the first one I got was a uh, was from a lady, and she just said, "I finally listened to the Tuesday mashup, and she's been texting uh, for quite some time." And uh, she says, "I and capital lever, uh, le- letters love it." So hey, uh, that's thanks. awesome. Yeah, I think I think it's cool that uh, people are reaching out. I, I didn't think uh, you never know when you start something up like this, what it's gonna do. So. Well, that was kind of the fun of it right at the very start. Now, I mean, it's still going on like that where you're just like, I have no idea what this is going to look like. We don't really know what yeah. direction it's going to go in, but let's just wing it and D- Dustin, see what happens. Dustin told me yesterday, I literally only listen to one episode a week of you, and it's the Tuesday mashup. I'm like, <laughs> well, okay, th- thanks for that, you know? So, yeah, it's apparently drawing attrition from your other stuff i guess so i guess well, so. you can't be afraid to cannibalize your own product right kodak invented the digital camera in like 1974 and they shelved it because they didn't want it to interfere with their sales of old style actual like developing film and then now look at them yeah now look at them is right yes um before we start, uh, I'm curious. Uh, w- last Tuesday, mm-hmm. we were sitting talking on a Sunday before I did the Monday night roundtable. What did you think of the roundtable? Uh, did it change your mind on any of the candidates? No. 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 I I really like the fact that Todd... Everybody, everybody in the roundtable had the same things to say about how we're not going to support lockdowns and we're not going to... Uh, mandate things on children and at this point taking that stance costs you nothing and because it costs you nothing it's also meaningless right it's yeah we all think the same thing big deal right but todd was one of the few people who at great professional sacrifice was willing to stand up for what he believed was right and what was a fair and accurate representation of his constituents wishes and I think that really sets him apart in the crowd. So that's that's my take on it personally. I thought it was great, um, just how it all came together. That was that was pretty cool. I uh, I was chuckling to myself because on the Tuesday mashup last week, mm-hmm. we kind of <clears throat> I kind of poke fun at Todd, and I'm like, you know, the only person I'm worried about on stage is Todd because he doesn't have much to say. And I, I'm paraphrasing, right? But he just I was referring to the first UCP debate. And I thought, and I think the crowd in Vermilion that night said the exact, like I got it told to me probably three, four times was, mm-hmm. 
Todd Lowen came to play tonight. Like, and yep. I was like, I was very impressed with Todd. I got to run into him at the the debate in Calgary on Tuesday night, mm-hmm. and uh, of course he he wasn't a part of that one. Um, and yeah, he he really stuck it to Travis Taves several times. Actually, him and Rebecca Schultz about uh, basically. Well, that's not what, you, what you're saying, you know. And uh, I was hats off to him because that's what I was hoping. Not that. Uh, I don't want to be the guy that has to bring, you know, as a moderator, I don't want to, I want the candidates to interact, you know, mm-hmm. I don't want to be the one interacting. Yep. And I thought he did a good job of like, wait a second, what are you saying now? Well, the thing about Travis Taze is that he kind of represents everything that the UCP has been so far in its first few years of being a party. And so I guess if, if you think that Jason Kenny was awesome and everything they did was great, he'd be the guy to vote for, right? But if you have some criticism, did you see? Did you see Jason Kenny's come out criticizing Daniel Smith now? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I think you, you want to talk about an in thing to do? Just hop on a, a stool and criticize Daniel Smith. I feel like uh, Monday night it was a thing that everybody attacked her. I think that shows where she is at uh, currently in the standings. Yeah. But regardless, that was the thing that night. And then Jason Kenny gets up on his stool because nobody really gives a shit about Jason Kenny anymore. And he says, I never did. This thing, this Sovereignty Act, stupid. Well, <laughs> I can kind of see where he's coming from. Just just let me let me finish the thought. Really? No, no, no. Let me finish the thought. Okay. Where in terms of you've got somebody who comes in and they say, you know, he's just been waffling on on everything in confederation since he took power and then someone comes in and says well you know what if they have a shitty idea that's going to hurt us we're just not going to do it and he's like obviously jerk right (laughs) i mean of course he's gonna be like someone comes in with a fairly simple idea that's going to solve the problem that he's been bombasting about for years of course he's gonna come out fighting it here i thought folks he, looks he was like gonna actually stand behind jason kenny you know i caught some flack for for standing up for trudeau's flight plan and uh, i caught i ate some shit on that one i had the old uh, foot in the mouth so to speak anyways i thought for a second you're gonna anyways hey. you know, uh before one more thing before we get going though we've got a correction to make oh yeah so i had said last week that if I was going to be prime minister, I would fire 222 people every day. And that would come out to 324,120 people. And that would bring us back to like 2018 levels. Sure. Yeah. Well, it turns out I was way off in the numbers. So I just need to set the record. Okay. Let's set the record straight. Okay. Since January of 2020, we have hired on 366,800 public servants in Canada. So even if even if whoever's in charge, if they want to take this idea and run with it, Pierre Polyev, if you're listening, if you fire 222 people every single day for four straight years, you're not even keeping up with the people coming in the door. Because that's two and a half years, and they hired 40,000 more. I'd really like to, when we, uh, you know, um, we're up against the clock this morning because twos has to get to work, right, folks? So... But I'd like to like put a pin in, in, in that thought, not about just firing uh, everybody. Um, but the idea of like, as government grows bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger, where does that lead us to? Because I think... Moldova. Because I think that right there, when we talk about, is it against their interest, to, you know, like, do they get a vote? Because obviously they're going to vote for more 
government, whatever. Like that's, it's like, where does that lead? Anyways, I want to pin that thought because mm-hmm. I think that would be interesting to explore. That That's just all I'm saying. Yes. But we don't have okay. the time this morning to dig into it. We got, we got, a, we got a mashup We got a do. show to run. That's right. That's right, folks. We got a show to run. Can't just hear run. a lollygagging all, right. all day. Well, <laughs> you lollygag in the outfield. You <laughs> lollygag in the outfield. Know what that makes you? Lollygagger. Lollygaggers. Anyways. <laughs> okay. Welcome to the Tuesday mashup. Uh, eight minutes in. Here we go. Um, week 17. 17. Whew. You know how many? Like that. We're stringing them together. Here. We're. Honestly, we're coming up on, it's almost a bottle of scotch at this point. Yeah, I think uh, I think the goal that you know, we did five. Yeah, five, we said let's do five, five and let's see if we're having fun. And then we said three months. So three months is roughly like 16. 16, so that'd be episode 21, yeah, roughly. I totally forgot about I tell you the what. three-month revision. I tell yeah. you what, uh, round 21, we'll see if we can't do it in person again. All right, that's, that's okay. a few weeks off. Anyways, uh, we'll pin that. Okay, here we go. Uh, no ambulances available for Ashcroft man who collapses from apparent heart attack. This happened in BC. This is a pretty sad story on a lot of levels. This guy had a heart attack. He lived half a block away from the ambulance garage. And he ended up dying because they couldn't get an ambulance to him in time. I feel like this has been, you know, when you go back to the, uh, just interviews I've done, Kate King comes to mind. She was an ambulance worker uh, yeah. north of Edmonton. Yeah, Fort she, Saskatchewan. She she talked about it then. I had a listener back in the middle of COVID um, talk about it from Lloyd, uh, just talking about if you watch the ambulances, because you can follow them, I guess, um, you can see how far they're traveling. They were sending ambulances from Lloyd to Edmonton. Um well, I don't have to be a rocket scientist to know that's a two-hour stretch. And, you know, if you're dying from anything in Edmonton and having an ambulance come that way, you're waiting a long-ass time. I, this has been an issue for a long time. Now it's caught real, um, well, it's catching the headlines a mm-hmm. lot, but it's been going on a long time. This isn't something new. Well, the thing about it is, is you'll have the early people saying, there's a problem. We need to address this, like healthcare. Like it's not as though this just happened during COVID. People have been saying the healthcare system's broken for years, and then now people are like, "Oh, well, it's just because of COVID." No, no. Actually, you know, speaking of healthcare, um, I remember digging into it a little while ago, and uh, it was like 2013. We had as many. I they they have warnings in healthcare. I'll butcher this a bit, but. Mm-hmm. How many times the, the the alarm was raised of like we're at critical capacity or short like that type of thing? This is 2013, mm-hmm. and it was over once a day, and that was in Calgary and Edmonton, the two biggest centers in Alberta. It was like multiple times a day they were, and that was 10 years ago, close to. So fast forward, mm-hmm. and I agree with you. This is this is a major problem. Yep. Oh, it's so Air- much more. Airline, well, what are you going to do? <laughs> what are you going to do? Airline, just because just you're in the studio doesn't mean all of a sudden we get, I mean, you're the one telling me we got a timeline here. <laughs> all right, well, let's all keep right. moving. Airlines push back against incoming passenger refund requirements. We talked about this a little bit before, how now the airlines are starting to get in a pissing match with the government. And so what this means is that if flights are canceled or significantly delayed in any way at all starting in the next few weeks the airlines are on the hook for it so if katza like the people who give you the 
the ball tap and make sure you're not carrying any um, nail clippers or anything like that. If they're understaffed and nobody can get through in time and the plane can't take off, well, that's on the airline. If it's bad weather, that's on the airline. If you name it, if there's a really bad app, even though it's really highly rated in the Google store, that somehow causes everybody to go really slowly through the through the queue, that's on the airline. And so they're pushing back and saying this is bullshit. But it's it's going to be really interesting to see how this escalates because they don't want to bite the hand that feeds them. And it's funny, Omar Algebra has been catching heat for this for a long time. And it came out recently, the Western Standard did a thing where they actually showed that he knew about impending staffing shortages months ago and did nothing about it. And again, centrally planned economies, centrally planned airports, centrally planned healthcare. There's kind of a thread of commonality here. And so, you know, they're they're trying to come up with whatever wins they can. Omar Algebra was talking about how 88% of passengers are now waiting less than 15 minutes to go through security, up from 63% in May, and that that's, you know, huge progress. But the funny thing is it's not the people coming through security, it's the people coming back that are getting really delayed. But it's just, it's it's funny, this, this hand-picking of... They're trying to show that wins, even though everybody's like, this is broken, just get rid of it, and they yeah. just keep pushing it. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, well, we're winning because this is, an, this is no longer an issue. That should have never been an issue in the first place, and that's not even what anybody's talking about. But you keep going on about that, you little hobbit. Yeah, well, I, before I hit the the buzzer, it just everybody's talking about getting rid of the ArriveCan app. Just just get rid of it. At this point, what relevance is it making? It's and one yet, of the highest rated apps in the entire store. Why would you want to just burn it to the ground? I mean, that's a win right there, isn't it? <laughs> Telus wants to charge customers a fee for paying their bills with a credit card. This is maybe the dumbest effing thing I have ever heard in my life. Yes and no. Okay, I okay. Yes and no. I'm curious now cuz let's let's hear it then. Okay. In terms of the practical implications, absolutely. Because whether there's an obvious charge for it or not, you're still paying for that transaction fee. So when when you pay with a credit card for anything, whoever you're paying it to pays a percentage to the credit card company as a transaction fee and that's where they make a bunch of their sure. money and so whether it's built into the price or not you still pay for it because if they needed if if you bought are we trying to make the case that telus needs more money no we are not i'm saying that you can't blame them for trying but when they say okay well we need to charge for it already you're like you're already charging for it because we have some of the highest costs in the oh, world absolutely and they're we, trying to I think gouge. We do have the highest cost. There the you go. And they're trying to gouge us again for how we pay. Yep. Like I yep. got a big f you to them. That's that's what oh, I got for sure. I I I'm not saying. And we got that Rogers they're dicks and, for trying. And we I'm got, saying they're dicks for every other reason. And we got Rogers. But you can't blame them for asking. We got Rogers buying Shaw now or trying to right. So yep. we're we're about to go into this weird weird monopolized world if we aren't already there. Where prices ain't gonna get better, folks. They're only no. gonna get worse, and they're trying to gouge us more. Like I just, I have zero time for it. Absolutely, zero time. Um, deadline passes. No leadership candidate revealed for the Alberta Liberal Party. Fire away, twos. I feel oh. like you're just salivating. Okay, <clears throat> where to begin? 
All right, so the Alberta Liberal Party provincially hasn't been doing very well for the past hundred and some years, believe it or not. <laughs> it's probably because they're a bunch of fucking retards. Oh, we're going to drop the R-bomb. All right, fair enough. I think you can still say it. I don't know. Sure. Apologies to everybody out there who's never read a book and thinks maybe the liberals are a decent form of government. Okay. Well, you've made your point. Now you've eaten up a minute. you got 44 okay. seconds. You 44 better... seconds. In the first two quarters of this year, the Liberals raised just shy of $37,000, while the UCP and the NDP raised $1.4 and $2.5 respectively. They're distant. The entrance fee to to enter the leadership race was 175 for the UCP. It was 6000 for the Liberals. So you just need to go to... Listen, folks, they had a deadline on Friday where you, they had to have their candidates in for leadership and nobody put in nobody put in a nomination. Nobody even tried. And right. then they actually took down the link in their website for the, the section they had about... about Literally, this leadership. is the most publicity they've had is on the Tuesday mashup, right? That, yeah, this might they should be paying us. <laughs> Give us some of that $37,000. <laughs> Taken off of our fucking money already. Uh, Scotland cut down 14 million trees to make way for wind turbines. Now, in all fairness, it was actually 13.9 million trees. And oh, they we're just rounding rounded up. it up. We're rounding they, up. They rounded okay. it up for the headline, right? Yes. So, I mean, we just we need to be very clear and accurate so we don't have to issue another correction at the start of next sure. week. Sure, sure. Yes. So this is for 21 wind turbine projects. And we talked about how, I think it was Suncor, wrapped up theirs where they had 11 wind turbine projects that cumulatively could have ran five houses. So this is a you, huge trade-off. On, 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 a, on a completely side note, on the podcast, I'm, I'm, I'm working on getting a bunch of people in to talk about climate change and these different things because I just, I hear it and I go, I just, I just don't understand it. Like I, wind turbines, it's like, I know they have their place. I know they do. I'm not saying, I'm not saying that the, that they're, uh, they should be put in everywhere, and I'm not saying that you should never put them in. I'm kind of just somewhere right in the middle. But to cut down 13.9 million trees, yep. I'm just like, what the hell are we doing? What are we doing? That makes zero sense. Like, we want to get carbon dioxide out of the air. What's the best way to do that? Let's kill all of the things that, that eat, eat it. it. Right? Yeah. It, so it actually says in the article, here's a great quote. The tree removal seems especially ironic given that world leaders supposedly agreed to end deforestation by 2030 at the recent COP26 climate summit in Glasgow, Scotland. Center ice conservatives are warming the bench for now. <laughs> God, I love the CBC. What would we talk about without them every week? I'd, honestly, I, I I was saying it to you know, I'm going to cut up 15 seconds here. I was saying to you before we started this, I'm like, do we even want to talk about this? This seems so irrelevant. But then you're like, well, I want to talk about it. And it's the CBC. I'm like, you know what? You want to poke fun at the CBC for this lukewarm story about like something that has no relevance? File Roy. Because that is the CBC at this point. It's funny because... Polyev is being painted at, as this far-right lunatic, and he really doesn't have any far-right stances. He's basically just saying, let's take the ideology out of politics. 
which apparently now is some ridiculous concept. Far right. yes. Oh yeah, yeah, that's that's just it's it's probably off the Blasphemy. political set spectrum. But yeah, this this article leads off with a quote. So there there was this symposium in Edmonton on Thursday and former British Columbia Premier Christy Clark, who if anybody can remember the party she was in, it rhymes with schmush liberal was there as one of the speakers. And you're like, really? Okay, so this is these are the people that we're going to have come in and talk about conservative extremism. This is, I mean, you've got Jean Charest running on basically a liberal platform. And anybody who thinks differently is just far extreme right. Like, I, I would say that Pierre Polyev kind of needs to step up in a lot of areas. Like, he says he's going to get rid of the gatekeepers, but he's not going to touch the dairy farmers because it would cost something like $40 billion to buy out all their exclusivity contracts. But at the, cost of, at the cost of about $6 billion a year to the consumers, you'd be making your money back in less than eight years, which is a great return on investment, which is probably why the government won't touch it. Yeah. Yeah, give me a buzz. See, lukewarm story. I just, I, I'm sorry. I, I like, I, I'm just. I, the, the, they can't all be bangers. Come on. I, I thought that was. I thought that was genuinely interesting. The center ice conservatives. They are literally this like lukewarm. Like, anyways. Ah, whatever. It doesn't matter. I, I'm, I'm teasing. They I'm say teasing. they're center ice. Here, but really, let's, they're let's running talk about short-handed. some hard-hitting stories. How about the Canadian journalists are sad that their unwashed masses are tired of their <laughs> shit? That is definitely a two's headline. But I. I chuckle every time I read it. You got a group of uh, uh, of people that are... Here, here's, here's a quote. It is increasingly evident that online abuse is a growing problem for people in our industry and beyond. Now, I'm not for online abuse. I want to make that very clear. Okay? Mm -hmm. We've seen up and close the terrible toll that such threats and hate can take. This is a profound and spreading social harm that we cannot afford to ignore and which we must find ways to more effectively counter. We all have a stake in this fight. Um, this comes... This is... on. This is... Talking about Canadian journalists, right? Yes. Well, journalists in very noted quotation marks. Yes, yes. Um, but at the end of the day, when we've witnessed what we've witnessed in Canada with that profession right now, you mm -hmm. go, well, some of it is just you guys aren't telling the truth. Maybe you should write about things that actually matter. And they're taking mm -hmm. that and are trying to make it like they're being harmed. Well, every time they show up on Twitter, they just get bombarded by the masses yes and or facebook you yeah, know what the well, same the same thing happened on there they had to turn off comments because why yeah, cbc did that yeah. yeah because people are pissed that they're not talking about anything like they're literally not talking about anything and then when they do talk about things they turn off the comments or well they turn off the comments because it's such a woefully one-sided thing like did you ever see the fifth estate i told you to check it out the fifth estate episode they did on the trucker convoy like, that is the most intentionally deceptive bit of journalism I think I've ever seen outside of probably Russia or something like that, or North Korea, where they where they say that they get almost all the gold medals at the Olympics and China gets a couple, and then, like, Russia gets one or two. And like, Well, just, uh, yeah, I, I know exactly what you're saying. And it's it's funny because they're they're saying, oh, well, it's, it's your guys' fault for being dicks and pushing back on us. And I've said it before, if you run into an asshole first thing in the morning, you ran into an asshole. If you run into assholes all day long, you're the asshole. You're the asshole. And and so now they're trying to say that it's this, uh, It's this is my new favorite conspiracy theory. This is the new one from the left. They're saying that this is a, a coordinated effort. 
that that basically it's it's a bunch of people getting together and making a plan to attack these people. Like you go into a room, a random room somewhere, and say, you're all a bunch of fucking assholes. And then they say, hey, quit being a dick. And you're like, this is a concerted effort against me. Like, uh, what, what tiny modicum of common sense do you need to look at this and say, well, you know what? Maybe I'm the one who's out of touch. Have your Principal Skinner moment. I, I'm, I, uh, I would say that uh, certainly somewhere on the right, there is a concerted effort. I won't, I won't deny that. But I will also say, overall, that, uh, you know, I'm not, once again, I'm not for any, uh, I've been attacked online. I've been attacked through lots of different things. It's mm-hmm. uncomfortable. Um, but a lot of it is like trivial. It's not even worth my time other than people can, I'm not Wayne Gretzky shrouded by eight rings of protection, right? I'm just a simple guy. But a I lot just of have what, fun with it. A lot of what the CBC gets attacked for or journalism in general is biased bullshit. That you're just it's like very justified. You're just like how like it's it's coming up once again. Tomorrow's episode on the podcast is Kid Carson. He's mm-hmm. a guy who was a radio DJ in Vancouver, and you know I had my my doubts on you know how much control. Even though I've interviewed Danielle Smith and she's talked about you know leaving chorus right. Mm-hmm. Well, Kid Carson talks specifically about how he was not allowed to talk anything COVID, and all he did at one point too was make fun of the mass. Wearing, having to wear a mask to an outdoor softball game. That's all he did. And he got reprimanded for that, told you weren't allowed to talk about it. I mean, I, I implore anyone listening to this to listen to tomorrow's episode with Kid Carson because it's just like it takes away any doubt. Like, now this is, this is absurd. And my anger towards the CBC and other media outlets is pretty much freaking justified. Federal board investigating Alexander Graham Bell's controversial beliefs. Like... When are we going to get away from this stuff? That a guy that lived a hundred years ago is being brought up for being part of, you know, colonialism and, you know, uh, slavery and whatever else. You're like, it was a hundred years ago. Pretty much that was the the, the custom, the norm. I, I don't mean to make light of what went on a hundred years ago, but it's like some some of it, some of it, like, you know, I've had different people on the podcast that have talked about First Nations and what happened to him 100 years mm-hmm. ago. But how can you reconcile everything that happened 100 years ago and tear down everything that Graham Bell did? Part of what he did led us to where we are. I say if you guys decide that Alexander Graham Bell is just an absolutely reprehensible person and you don't want anything to do with him, cancel him and never use any of the things he invented ever again. Good fucking luck. Can we actually, you know what? What is on all the... Uh, is the telephone. That's, that, it's, you don't have to, go, it's the telephone. No, shot. no, 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 There's more than that, though. Oh, like what all else he invented? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he invented, he has a whole list, does he not? That's Thomas Edison. Graham Bell. Ha- Give me a second, then. All right, all right, all right. Oh, here we go. Pause the clock. No, I'm, I'm going to let the clock mm-hmm, run. It says the mind detector as well. The mind detector? Yeah. Jesus Christ. He came from Eastern Canada. How would he even test it? I don't know. I don't know. He has a couple other ones, but you're right. The telephone's obviously the biggest one. Okay. All right. Yeah. All right, Sean. I'll, I'll, uh, I was thinking a couple other things, but obviously, due to time constraints, I won't go digging too deep. 
Yeah, that's a great cop out. You should be a politician. <laughs> Sean Newman, the politician. What do you think of Alexander Graham Bell? Well, I'll tell you a story about Mark Twain. How would that be? Yep, classic. TD diversity trainers caught telling employees to not vote conservative. Gee, this seems to be coming up everywhere. Don't vote conservative. Don't be conservative. Conservative is pretty much uh, white supremacy. Anyways, carry on. Western Standard exclusive. And so someone had recorded this diversity trainer in session at TD Bank telling them on and on about how they shouldn't vote conservative if they care about indigenous rights and they care about my, if they care about minorities and talking about how um, because of pipelines and things like that, the, the conservatives are basically evil and extolling the virtues of every other party which has no place in the workplace as far as I'm concerned. Like if, if you want to do that, like if, if I had an employee who was just going off about anything political, as, assuming that it wasn't podcast as the business, but just like, you know, some regular brick and mortar thing, be like, look, this isn't a good fit. Well, you, you know me at this point. I, I like, I say yes, this I about do. the, we're in the same room. <laughs> You're such a dick. Um, <laughs> Thanks, Tuz. Um, Always when it, a pleasure. When it comes to the listeners of of the podcast, I th- I think at this point, like they can smell bullshit a, a long ways out, and so there's no point in trying to convince them anything. They've already made up their mind. They've already listened. They have their own ears, their own eyes, uh, and a brain between their ears too, uh, pointing out the real obvious things like you like to do. Anyways, um, I don't have to try and convince them anything. They they've. You know, they're just as smart as us two yahoos uh, will ever be. And when it comes to politics, there's no point in trying to convince anyone of anything. Uh, I rather prefer just trying to get what I what I recently just did. Uh, all candidates to come on and talk and put them in around. And, and then at least you have some, you know, do I love Rebecca Schultz? Do I think she's going to win? Uh, probably not. But I still want people to hear because maybe she's the diamond in the rough and you hear and go... Holy Dinah, that's the lady. And as a, even just what she Western... had good things to say. It was an interesting but discussion. But just what, even just what the Western Standard did is interesting, right? A front runner's debate. Mm-hmm. I'm not against it, but it's an artificial way to push three people further up the chain and, and try and get rid of some of the bottom. You know, with seven, I get it. It's tough to run an actual debate with seven. Yep. Yet you have seven people vying for leadership. Let them have their moment. <laughs> the front runner. They put up 175 grand to even be there. Give them, give, give them, them a the opportunity yeah. in front of the mic. Yeah. But yeah, TD Bank though. This is the same bank that uh, is dealing with a human rights complaint because. <laughs> A guy who went in who was an indigenous Muslim, right? And so, I mean, as as cultures continue to come together, there's going to be more and more, I'm going to say eclectic mixes. It's going to be outdated in, in 20 years because it's probably going to be the norm. But for right now, that seems like a little bit of a special case. And so anyway, when he busts out his ID, which was his um, status card, they straight up didn't believe him. They wouldn't let him open a bank account. And then... They called the cops on him. And so when he was home later that day, the cops came to check on him because he got reported for potential don't you, ID fraud. Don't you just think if, if you're listening to this, here's here's a piece of advice. Let's let's move our money out of the TD. Let's move our money out of the big banks because they just seem to be have their heads so far up their ace. Uh, credit unions 
provincially owned banks, probably the way to go. No? Probably. I've got a lot of love for RBC because they've helped me out personally. Like they've really gone out of their way to be a really good, I don't know, collaborator with me, I guess Hmm. you could say over the years. Okay. But that's that's entirely just one man's perspective. Yeah. Well, all I'm thinking of is TD just seems to be shrouded in scandal. And then who was it that, uh, was it uh, Scotiabank that tried taking uh, with the guns, with Profit River here in Lloyd? They were, there was a huge thing about uh, they didn't want to support anyone who was selling guns. And I think that was Scotia. And so it's like, that's another big bank. And you just go, it just goes on and on and on. They're, they're putting themselves in these positions where they're trying, you know, like, anyways, I could go on about this tirade for a long time. Worst in the world. Here are the rankings in which Canada is now last. Yeah. So this started off as some guy with like 15 letters after his name. Seems a little douchey. He said, so next time someone rants about how broken Canada is or how badly we're doing in the international stage, here's some facts. Numbers don't lie, Felicia. And then there's probably about 10 different rankings that Canada's in over the past five years or something. I see one What are we last like, in? Oh, shoot. So anyways, we're last in most unaffordable housing in the OECD. So that's 38 countries. We have the most expensive wire, wireless costs. So... Yeah, that comes back to the telus. Let's thing. give it another one point five percent. You know, anyways, credit. Yeah, yeah. Anyways, well, enough. I mean, we're about twenty percent higher than second place, which is South Africa. Okay, carry so, on. So yeah. yeah, we have the lowest rate of acute care beds among peer countries. Two of the planet's bubbliest real estate markets are in Canada. The only one worse than Toronto is Frankfurt, and we racked up COVID debt faster than anyone else. That's going to be a huge shocker. The Port of Vancouver is almost the most efficient in the world. They're 368th out of 370. And then the... Think about that, folks. 368 out of 370 ports. Vancouver is on the bottom of it. Yeah. Oh. Get the unions out of it. Toronto Pearson is the world's most delayed airport. Not news. We're one of the world's worst economies for foreign investment. If you look at data between 2015 and 2019, I don't know anybody who's still got money invested in Canada, hardly. We drive the most fuel inefficient vehicles in the world, which is fair considering what we do and the, yeah. the and vast the, distances between us. That's that's quite the list. You know, you, you think about some of those things on there, uh, so, but all of it just seems so fixable. Yeah, very much of it is. And it's funny because, you know, when people talk about how, oh, we're at the top of this list, it's something like air quality where, yeah, because we've got we've got a third of the population of Vietnam and Vietnam's the size of Alberta, right? I mean, we're so spread out. You can, you can find places probably just a few hours north of here where you could go 100 kilometers in any direction without finding a soul. Absolutely. <laughs> We're close We're, to it. We've got so many Point Nemo's, it's not even funny, right? CBC flounders on a report about salmon risk posed by Trans Mountain Pipeline. That was mine, too. I was trying to come up with a little bit more snark to put into it, but it was 1230, and I was like, man, I got to get some sleep. So it's, it's not bad, but it's okay. <laughs> and so CBC British Columbia was reporting on the Trans Mountain Pound pipeline expansion pound line anyways carry on it's early i'm still on my third coffee so <laughs> anyway uh there's salmon migration going on right now and there's this woman who 
just coincidentally happens to be an activist who walks this same stretch of river every day and it's right next to the bulldozers and the excavators and everything like that like you know it just it all seems very natural and they were going on about how it's just killing all these fish and then some guy named Blair King who's an environmental scientist just did a little bit of quick googling and he had this great twitter th- thread that just blows it all out of the water like there's the they were restricted in a specific window to minimize any possible impacts to the salmon and one of the things they did was in exchange for temporarily interfering with 800 square meters, this this whole story is about 800 square meters of um, habitat, they will restore a total of 3,023 square meters of in-stream salmon habitat in Williams Lake, Lake Slough. This is another big win considering the crossing was not suitable for spawning habitat. So it's it's all just, there's always so much more to this just, face value, superficial, lazy journalism. Lazy journalism. I uh, I get what you mean. Don't buy the misinformation on fertilizer reduction targets. So this is... Our Canadian government. Yeah, this almost should have been the happy story for this week. So Lloyd Longfield is a <laughs> member of parliament for, I think, Vaughn. And so he's liberal and he comes out and writes this op-ed which is literally don't buy the misinformation on fertilizer reduction targets now sean do you know of anybody who has been really prevalent in the news in the past few weeks for having an opinion with a whole bunch of information attached to it regarding the fertilizer reduction ban Uh, maybe this guy named quick dick mcdick Quick Dick he, McDick. He may even been on the show. He may have went on a whole lot of shows. And he hit the big time here. So not only was he trending on Twitter and that video absolutely blew up on YouTube, but it ended up being, because he's the only one who had anything notable to say about this, and it ended up being such a big thing that the liberals had to go in and write an article trying to combat it without naming it specifically, but who else would it be about? So hats off, man. Like I, I have... QDM, QDM, hats off too. Yes. He he does it again. The last time he had a video like that that just absolutely blew up was the the protester video back like when I first interviewed him. That's like two and a half years ago. The mm-hmm. vegan protester and and talking about them blocking the 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 rail lines and everything else, right? That was a very interesting video. QDM does a lot of good stuff. I got a lot of time for QDM. I think we both do. Absolutely. Uh, certainly uh, November 5th when he comes to Lloyd and have you guys on stage should be an interesting night. Um, but overall, I mean, he breaks it down just beautifully like he always does. So if you haven't checked yep. that video out, A, go check it out. Two, go check out the interview. Three, put November 5th in your in your, your notebook, and uh, as soon as tickets uh, come available, we'll make sure we talk about it on here. Hey, there's my shameless plug for the day. Perfect. I mean, they're going to be sold out right away. Like, as soon as Quick Dick McDick says, yeah, I'm going to be here, it's just, <laughs> we probably won't even need to plug it. We're just going to be like, sorry, guys, we'll catch you next time. Or Any other know. thoughts before I buzz you out on the fertilizer? We took that on a side note for okay. QDM. I just, I thought it was really funny that the whole article doesn't really address any of the specific claims he said. He's just like, really, we're not dicks. We're, we're we're nice people and we work collaboratively 
and you shouldn't you shouldn't fault us for for trying to do this because we really need to because of climate change. Oh, one notable thing is that he quoted a Greenpeace article saying that Canada has the highest per capita um, nitrogen fertilizer usage, which is interesting because they didn't go per unit of food, and we're major exporters of food. So it it would obviously make sense that if we're feeding half the world with our population, if our population's feeding half the world, our per capita usage of yes, fertilizer it, would be really high. It's nitpicking the data, right? It's nitpicking. Right? You, you got you to gotta look at what they're saying rather than what they're presenting. Yeah. I, I just, yeah. Canadian government. Parts of the Great Barrier Reef, here's your happy story. Parts of the Great Barrier Reef show highest coral cover in 36 years. And to be clear, it's only 36 years because they've only been collecting data on this for 36 years. So technically, it's the highest coral cover ever recorded. <laughs> That's great news, Toos. That's great news. I got a bunch of thoughts rolling through my brain, but uh, I'm looking at the clock. I told you I'd have you out of here at a certain time. It's already past then. So, Oh, shit. Yes. It's way past that. Yes. So I need to get you moving. I appreciate you coming in the studio and doing this. This has been a ton of fun. Uh, to the listener, hey, it was recorded and out in record time. It was. Yeah, it's going to be a couple hours to get up on mine, but, I mean, by the time you hear this, it's... It's a moot point anyways. Well, appreciate you coming in studio to do it, Twos. Until next week. Absolutely, man.